Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Motivational Intelligence Podcast, where it's our job to deconstruct for you what makes people and organizations successful. I'm Sean Johnson. Today's episode is about a question we get a lot, which is, how do we deal with millennials? It's not really surprising we get this question a lot. Millennials are actually the biggest generation of the workforce now, and they represent more and more of the workforce every year. I think it's by 2025, it'll be 75% of the workforce. It's a pretty big problem when the largest generation of the workforce is also the least understood. So Dave and I tried to color in what exactly shaped this generation. What are the things that were happening? What did they see growing up? What did they watch their parents do that came to shape and mold what they think and believe about the world around them? We actually do this for uh, the other generations in the workforce as well. And our hope is that this episode helps you understand the other generations you're working with a little bit better. Uh, and if you are one of those Gen X or, or baby boomer generation people looking, thinking, how do I deal with millennials? Uh, at the end, Dave goes in and talks about uh, how exactly you should be leading millennials. So I think you'll find uh, a lot of insight and uh, hopefully uh, some things you can take away from this episode. Uh, if you do find it helpful, recommend, you know, send it to a colleague or a friend. And uh, we do hope you enjoy this episode. Send, let us uh, know what you think. Uh, review us on Apple Podcasts and, and anywhere else you're listening to this. And always feel free to reach out. We, we'd love to hear from you and, and uh, we'd love to hear your ideas on other topics or, or uh, that we can cover. So uh, until next time, enjoy this episode. The Motivational Intelligence Podcast is produced by the team at Two Logical. Two Logical is an international corporate training firm and the world's leading expert in motivational intelligence, which is the ability to understand, manage, and change the motives people have. Two Logical offers over 30 different keynotes, workshops, and full training courses to small, medium, and large Fortune 500 companies in 53 countries, a lot of which you're probably familiar with. The Visor, Bank of America, GE, Constellation Brands, P&G, and more. All solutions are completely customized, and the feedback from these sessions will blow your mind. If you have any training or speaking needs or just want to say hey, head over to twological.com. Um, all right, well, let's get, let's get into it. Um, uh, we got a fancy new setup in here. I, I think you, know, you could probably hear like how sensitive these mics are. There you go. I know it. Yeah, Dave. Dave uh, balled out. He got us all fancy new, a fancy new podcast studio. Oh yeah, you know, you're gonna go big time. You gotta, you gotta be big time. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, so I wanted to talk today. It's, uh, um, I think a topic that that pops up a lot. Um, it's the. Uh, I feel like it's you know it's it, my generation was kind of the very controversial generation. <laughs> um, <laughs> the topic of a lot of. A lot of conversation, a lot of debate. Um, uh, so obviously, we're we're talking about millennials. Um, so I wanted to to kind of kick off um, and kind of get uh, maybe paint a picture a little bit of uh, how millennials are viewed. How how do how do other generations feel about millennials? How do they look at millennials? Yeah. Well, we've definitely gotten probably in the last five years. Um, more requests from clients around, you know, how do you lead millennials or how do you deal with millennials or, um, you know, how do we, how do we engage, you know, millennials more? So we're getting that question a lot from, from client organizations. So there's decidedly, um, 
a, dis- a feeling or a sense of disruption mm-hmm. uh, in that uh, in that side of things. So the so I think there's a I think it's a question mark out there in in, in the business world. And um, so how to what what drives that? I think there's there's definitely a perception around the millennial generation mm-hmm. that is held by you know primarily in the workforce right now we've got you know in in senior leadership roles you've you've primarily got baby boomers boomers and gen xers sure um and so i think there's a a, a perception amongst some folks that uh the millennial generation is not as loyal mm-hmm. as the generations that have come before it um and you know and therefore they they tend not to stick in roles as long as they used to um, which creates a whole, you know, whole uh, bunch of havoc in mm-hmm. the business environment. Um, I think there's a, a perception that uh, there are people in the baby boom generation who are, you know, more selfish or more self-absorbed, mm-hmm. uh, more me-focused mm-hmm. than, and you know, and, and uh, um, it, you know, and therefore less of an organizational player or less of a team player. Mm-hmm. Um, there's certainly there's certainly that sense of uh of entitlement that I think some have you know sure. where it's the you know we need to do more participation trophies mm-hmm. and silver stars and oh, you yeah. know and those kinds of everybody's things everybody's a winner everybody's <laughs> a winner and did you have fun uh-huh. that's, that's what it's about yeah. um the you know I think some people think that there's a um maybe a a sense of a little bit of a know-it-all attitude or arrogance that that comes off in a part of some sure um uh definitely a sense of impatience you know less less yeah. tolerance with you know this is taking too long or change is happening too slowly or you know we're not paying attention to the things that we need to yeah. um and i think sometimes too you you'll see senior level executives who will you know they 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 perhaps question the work ethic of yeah. you know of the millennial generation and 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 I don't know if it's necessarily that they perceive that the that there's a, a maybe a maybe a, a sense of laziness on the part of millennials but it's just that millennials don't want to work the same way as the yeah. generations before them so um, so I, I don't know if there's necessarily I, I get a lot of the perception that they they don't want to work. It's just that they don't want to work the same way. Yeah, yeah. they don't want to kind of fall in line and do, right. do it the way they're told yeah, to do it. Yeah, yeah, necessarily in that same kind of you know eight to five you know way mm-hmm. of doing it. They you know there's more of a, an interest of um, you know I, I'll get the same work done. I'm just not going to do it the same way that maybe you did it ten years ago. Right. Yeah. I'm going to try to find a different way. A better right. Way. Right. A better way, a more efficient way. Or, right. or or just do it do it in the parameters that work for my schedule versus you know yeah. so so if I want to work from you know midnight till four AM, I'll get the work done, I'll get it done on time. Yeah. I'm just not gonna do it in the same confines of the way you've done it, you know, you've right. done it in the past. Yeah. 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 So definitely. those are I think those are the things that we hear most often. Yeah. And, and yeah, and I think um you know it's it it's kind of a um you know, from a generational standpoint, it seems there's a lot of frustration with with when they look at millennials. You know, because of a, I think a lot of those those perceptions mm-hmm. is um, uh, they're you know that they don't really understand them. You know, like right. why why are they doing this? Why you know I I think about it this way. Right. And and 
And so if they're not thinking about it that way, then there's a lot of frustration of why don't they just do it the, the way I'm telling right. them to do it. Or, or I think that's that happens with human beings in general. You know, yeah. we we oftentimes make that assumption that everybody else sees the world that we do, thinks the way that we do, mm-hmm. feels the way that we do. Yeah. Um, and when it becomes obvious that they don't, then there's a you know there's a a, a level of confusion around that you know. And, right. and so it's one of the things I think when we're we're developing leaders that you know it's I mean a lot of that is really around that you know the being able to project yourself into somebody else's thought process and yeah. and see the world through their lens. Yeah, that second person sensitivity. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because when you understand, you know what. If you can get into somebody's head enough so you really understand, you know what what's driving them to think the way they think. What's mm-hmm. you know what you know what's you know what what influenced the beliefs that they have. You know if they're even if if they're different than than mine, it doesn't mean they're right or they're wrong. Yeah. But there were certain things that influenced those beliefs, and the more we understand that, the easier it is for us to relate. And that's true yeah. in every relationship, whether it's you know at home with our spouse, with our children, with you know, or the people that we work with, regardless of generation. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's that's so true, and I I want to uh, we're going to get into that. I think it, I think it would be uh, I think it'd be good and uh, insightful and um, interesting to get into what's what shaped each kind of generation yeah. in, in the workforce to to um, give a little little bit of uh, uh, backstory, I guess, or background sure. or on on how how they come to be this way. Uh, before we get to that, though, like uh, you know, obviously disloyal. Um, you know, selfish, entitled, arrogant. These are probably not words that millennials would use to describe themselves. They're probably not uh, wearing T-shirts saying, saying yeah. "I'm selfish." Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 I'm yeah. arrogant. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's like the seven dwarves. You yeah, know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm disloyal. I'm selfish. I'm, I'm sleepy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm grumpy. Uh-huh. <laughs> Maybe uh, we just gave Disney a new idea. Yeah, for, right. Uh, yeah, for the next yeah, generation. Generational. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, obviously uh, the way that um, other generations view millennials and the way that, that millennials view themselves are, are different um, inherently. And, and that kind of difference in perspective um, is what's causing a lot of, I think, the, the challenges that, that, um, that businesses are seeing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, you know, probably why so many more clients and, and people are, are bringing this up. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I mean, you could work down the stats of, um, you know, like uh, – only 29% of millennials are actually engaged at work, so 71% aren't. Um, you know, 51% of, of millennials are actively looking for a new job. That's more than that's more a, than half. That's a that's big a huge number. Percentage. That's a huge yeah. number. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. For all you leaders out there, yeah. <laughs> look across looking. your team. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> half of them are looking. Um, and, and they're, you know, um, 21, so one out of five, 21% turnover every year in, in millennials, one out of five is, is leaving. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, you look at that, that's your whole team is turning over every five years. Yeah, we had, we had a client who, um, they their CFO had recently done some research on, you know, what was the cost of that? Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, what, so if we lose somebody in, in the, you know, in the course of a given year, what, you know, what, what are the, you know, the, the hard costs are easier to calculate. The soft mm-hmm. costs are, are, you know, are a little, sure. are a little bit more challenging. But the, the number that they had was forty four thousand dollars per person that, it, per person that Jeez. left the organization that it cost them. Wow. You know, and that was just the hard costs that they could calculate. Yeah. You know, the soft the soft costs of, 
you know, lost productivity, sure. you know, lost, you know, institutional knowledge, uh, yeah. the, the, the time investment upon, that the manager has to spend to coach, mentor, bring somebody new up to speed. You know, yeah. all of those are the soft costs that are, are, are virtually impossible to calculate. Yeah. But, I mean, if you think about that, every person walks out the doors, you know, there's 44,000 bucks that just walked out the door. Yeah. So if you you know that that easily rolls you know into the hundreds of thousands if not the millions oh, yeah. of dollars if you know if you've got a workforce of you know five five hundred a thousand a thousand plus people yeah yeah I think I saw some there was a stat uh, just in in the U S um, uh, I think it was I think it was turnover this you know cost companies between I think it was four hundred and fifty and five hundred fifty billion dollars yeah. a, a year which is which is crazy and and you even you see it with um, you know uh, the boom in in interest and and um, even just the market for recruiting recruiting mm-hmm. services is crazy because people are you know these these companies are are losing people so fast that they have to you know replace them uh, just as fast right and then so you're trying to scale to grow but right. you're also but you also you know you're constantly it's like a dog chasing its tail because you're yeah. trying to backfill at the same time right yeah you got a hole in the bottom of your boat right <laughs> exactly keep, yeah it's every every time you bucket out it's it's coming back yep. in yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I would imagine, you know, just the, the turnover costs of 44,000 is a big, hard cost number. Right. Um, but I bet that's probably less than 50% of what it actually costs just in terms of, you know, you, you get somebody walking out the door when you bring somebody new and how long does it take them to get up to speed right. where they're actually, you know, yeah. really, really humming and, and firing at all cylinders. Yeah. And, and let alone being capable of backfilling at the level of the person who stepped out. Yeah. You know, so just getting them to a base level of productivity is going to take, you know, take a period of time, but getting them to a level of expertise. Yeah. That, you know, it's considerable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, you had had mentioned there was um, uh, I don't know if it was a client, but I, I remember that there was the 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 line of um, you know people and a lot of companies were concerned that, you know what if what if we spend all this money on training what if we invest in them and they leave mm-hmm. um, and somebody said what if we don't and they yeah. stay yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and and I think that's that's so true though too with the with the engagement issue is. You know, only 29% of people uh, of millennials are engaged yeah. at work. That other 71%, you know, how much money is that costing? Oh. You know, the people that you even that when you're not losing them, when they're staying, they're right. sticking around. Yeah, you're most you're the, the worst employee to have is somebody who's quit and stayed. Yeah, you know, because they're you know in, inherently as somebody has gotten to that point, they they're focusing on minimums. So they yeah. you know so what's the you know what's the least amount of time? What's the least amount of effort? What's the least amount of forethought? What's the yeah. you know and and so the so they are by far more damaging. It's it, it's infinitely better if somebody leaves because at least then you can backfill with somebody hopefully who's engaged. Yeah. Um, but it's it, you know it's pretty staggering the number of organizations, our client organizations, who have done the engagement surveys and very very few of them yeah. come out on the positive side of that. Yeah. I mean it's a it's sobering when yeah. when they go through that activity. Yeah. Um and they see that level of disengagement and can begin to put a cost to it. Right. Yeah, and I think it was, you know, it's it's you know for for those that are disengaged, it's it costs. I think Gallup did a did a study on this and um you know if if they are disengaged, it costs the company, you know, 
an estimated like 34% of their salary, yeah. whatever you're paying them, yeah. um, which is, you know, crazy is over a third of, of what you're paying them is just complete waste. Right, right. Well, and so, you know, to that point, and then you start thinking about what's the drag on the organization. So, right. so how does that, you know, how does that influence the, you know, the breakdown and collaboration? How does it yeah. perpetuate silos in the organization? How... How does that impact an organization's ability to adapt or be nimble? Yeah. Um, you know, all of those things, they, you know, and we see those challenges in virtually every organization we go into. Yeah. Um, but tracing it back to root cause is, you know, oftentimes it's, it's a little bit trickier. Yeah, so, sure. so you stop and you think about how different an organization can look. Yeah. If you really can capture the hearts and minds of the people in the team, you truly get them engaged, truly get them, you know, putting forth their best efforts, you know, tr- thinking about, you know, how can they make a difference in their role? Uh, um, how can they solve a challenge rather than sitting around and, and complaining about it? Uh, you know, it's a it, it's a huge swing. Yeah, totally. And, and, and it's, you know, even if you just look at it in terms of of speed and, and innovation of, you know, of, of the organization, it's if you're moving slow at, at this point, it's a kiss of death. Oh, you'll get steamrolled. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, it's slowing. So, and I think probably for the bigger, the bigger the company, the more drag they, they oh, yeah. have, yep. the bigger challenge it is. Um, so let's get into it. What, what makes millennials different than any other generation? You know, if you look at, you look at the way we define generations in our society, right? And, you know, largely generations get defined based upon what, you know, major shifts in, in what influences the mindset of the, 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 of the people that grow up. So the, the millennial generation is, is no different than any generation that, that came before it. it. You know, they grew up in a different time with different influences and, and, and different things that shaped, you know, what they've come to think and believe about both themselves and about the world. Yeah. And so you go back, and if you look at the millennial generation, they, you know, it's pretty much universally agreed your millennial generation started right around 1980. Yeah. So think about the 1980s for a second, right? What what was going on in that, you know, in that window of time? Uh, We rolled into the, you know, into that decade. We were uh, in a major economic recession. Um, So, you know, so, so you had hard financial times. Um, there was a lot of things that were going on in the financial worlds at that window of time. Um, we had the the rise of junk bonds, uh, mm-hmm. which junk bonds basically allowed organizations to um, be able to raise large sums of capital, which precipitated leveraged buyouts and things like that. So you had you had companies with depressed values. You had junk bonds. So now you saw the rise of corporate raiders and, and takeovers and things like that. Mm-hmm. What what happened as a result of that was these the you know the, the leverage buyouts or the, the takeovers they would they'd come in they'd strip a business down they'd sell off you know non productive divisions or something that you know they were trying to basically free up asset values um, and with all of that we we really saw for the first time a, a, a pretty seismic change in the the employment world in, you know, in the United States, because up till then, um, largely there was a philosophy of almost employment for life. You know, I mean, it was, it was more common for people 
to get a job and stay in a company until they retired. Yeah. You know, so even if you look at where we are, you know, Eastman Kodak, when, yeah, when I sure. was growing up, the, the the philosophy was, you know, you go to school, you you, you work well, you you know, you do well in school, you you come out, you get a job at Eastman Kodak, and you'll you'll have a job there for yeah, life. You work there for forty years, you get a nice retirement, and you walk away. Exactly, and you know, so I look back, you know, just in the history of my family, and yeah. I'll bet you probably, uh, I bet you sixty percent of my extended family, you go out to aunts, uncles, cousins, sure. you know, at one point in time. Were employed with Eastman Kodak. Yeah, yeah. That's my my grandpa worked there. That, yeah. that was exactly what he did. He, yeah. He you know got out of college, got a got a job there at, at Kodak. Worked there for forty years and and retired. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and, and you know now I look at my extended family. None of them worked yeah. at Eastman Kodak. You know, <laughs> not many people do. No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But it, the you know so so what happened as a result of the you know the leverage buyouts is this the big shift that happened was. The you know suddenly you had people who were under the belief that they were going to be employed for life that were getting laid off. Yeah. So our our millennial generation they saw that you yeah. know in their you know they saw that in their parents. That's another big shift too. The millennial generation is the first the first generation who to a very high degree were dual income families mm. and. You know, so prior to that, it was much more common for, you know, one parent, traditionally the mother, um, was was going to stay home and raise the family. So sure. so the millennial generation, they, you know, they see the dual income families. Yep. They see mom and dad getting laid off. Mom and dad thought that they were going to be employed for life. You know, yeah. so mom and dad thought they were going to do what grandma and grandpa did. Exactly. You know, what their parents were going to do and, yeah. and their parents did. And so... You know what lesson, what message did that send to your millennial generation, and, it, and right. it sent a very loud message that don't be loyal to an employer because an employer is not going to be loyal to you. Yeah, once the numbers aren't working, right? You know, gone. so so all of a sudden, you know that 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 the mindset that 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 really shifted. So that influenced yeah. your millennial generation. Sure. Um, you know what else? They, you know, they were a generation, you know, with the rise of dual income families. You know, we needed we needed to be more efficient. Um, mm. You know, so with, the, with that we saw the rise of like convenience stores and and those types of things. So you know, so there there was more of an instant gratification type of a sure. you know you, you you got a problem you solve it type of thing. Yeah. So I think that shortened the the. I don't want to say attention span, but it's kind of that that like a, problem uh, resolution cycle. Yeah, right? like gratification and, loop exactly, kind of exactly. Yeah. Um, so that happened. Um, the, you know, they were also the generation that you saw the rise of uh, MTV, cable TV, yeah. right? So now you had more options you right. know, in that sense. Uh, you know, the uh, I read something a while back where they were talking about the, you know, what was the MTV influence, on, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of shaping mindsets. And it talked about, you know, the it, that you, you know, in the in previous generations, you know, you'd watch a, a TV show and it was a half hour, an hour long, you know. So that was kind of the, the you know, the, the, the repetition cycle yeah, that people right. had. With MTV, the repetition cycle was two and a half minutes. Yeah. You know, so, so you know, that, you know, that, you know, the, the expectation was, you know, there was there was that desire for closure. Quicker. Yeah, right. Um, it, you know, the millennial generation was the first generation that really saw the mass use of computers, um, 
they saw the rise of the internet. You know, that had a big, big influence because if you look at our educational system, yeah. our educational system largely was designed in a way to satisfy the world as it existed when the baby boomers were in the market. Yeah, it was industrial yeah. revolution. Exactly. Uh, we're going to churn out factory workers. Yeah. So it was, you know, so so it was, you you want knowledge, you had to work for it. You had to go to an encyclopedia. You had yeah. to, you know, so it was, there was a, a lot more involved in it. So it was a lot more, you know, rote memorization and those types of things. Yeah. I mean, look at, yeah, like you're just looking at, you know, the, the way that it's set up with, with testing and standardized tests. And mm-hmm. so much of it is... What, how much can you memorize? Exactly. Which exactly. is, you know, was crazy in the era of Google. It, it, it totally. Because, you know, it's, it's you know, now we, the millennial generation, you had instant access to knowledge. You could, yeah. you know, if you want to know something, just look it up. You know, yeah. it wasn't, you didn't have to go to the library and find an encyclopedia. Yeah. So, so the educational system was totally out of alignment with where the world was at that point in time. So I think that influenced the millennial generation's mindset. In terms of that, you know, the the societal constructs are, you know, don't align with the way our world is right now. So they started mm-hmm. to question, you yeah. know, if you know, why is it like this? Yeah. You know, I mean, this doesn't, doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not seeing the the connectivity here right. or the relevance. Right. So you know, the, and you begin to see that in the ripple effect yeah. of of the way that they move. So. There was a whole host of things that were very different in, you know, in the millennial generation. Yeah. And I think those things largely influenced the, the mindset of, of these folks. And the crazy thing is, it's funny because you think about, you know, generally accepted that, you know, your millennials that were the folks who started to come into the work world when they were, you know, when, right around the turn of the century, right? Mm-hmm. So our millennial generation right now is approaching 40 years old. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Because yeah. traditionally we think of millennials as all being 20-somethings. Right, yeah, the young guns. Yeah, but they're not. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, I think that's a good point, too, is, yeah, it's, yeah they're, they're approaching 40, which is, um, you know, it's, it's probably, what, is it 25 to 40 or something like that yeah. at this point? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and it's, it, the number is, is crazy. I mean, if you think about, you know, how, how old they are at this point, I think it's by... 2025 mm-hmm. millennials are 75 percent of the workforce yeah um which if if you know uh, if companies are, are struggling to figure them out it's a big problem <laughs> <laughs> really <laughs> it's three out of four and yeah, people yeah, in, the, exactly. in the workforce is well you, you know you don't know whether at, at, at that out. point all the baby boomers will be retired so yeah uh, exactly yeah, no, so yeah. it'll be less of an issue yeah exactly yeah. exactly um yeah no i mean i think uh i think I think you make a, a, lot, a lot of good points, and and um, you know, I think particularly, um, you know, watching. I think people are so influenced by what they watch their parents go through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know, um, uh, you know, even just for for the millennial generation watching their parents go through, and and you know, it kind of felt, I think, probably to a lot of those people, and and this is what the millennials watch, is it felt like a betrayal. Oh, totally. You know, yeah. because it's it's this isn't the arrangement that we had talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't the arrangement that that I was under the impression we had. Yeah. Was my you know my parents told me that if right. I go to school, I work hard, and I go to a company, then I'll have employment for life, and yep. I'll I'll work there for forty years, and yep. they'll give me a nice yeah you know, I can work my way up the ladder. Yep. They'll give me a nice retirement package, and yep. and I'm all set. Yeah. I'll have a nice pension. I'll have you know like right. you know that I will be taken care of. Yeah. Exactly. And you know and then all of a sudden it was like. Uh, no, you're on your own. Yeah, you know exactly. And, and so you, 
you know, so now you start looking at that, you know, the the, the, the selfish attitude and those yeah. kinds of things. Well, y- you know, it's it's there's a realization that I can't expect somebody else to take care right. of it. Right. If I'm not going to look out for me, nobody, nobody else, else is, is going to. Yeah, nobody else exactly. is going to. And yeah. you, you, so you kind of have to. Yep. I think the other thing, too, is, um, you know, with, uh, you know, you, you think of, of the baby boomers. They're, you know, uh, I mean, you were, you were mentioning this but before we started recording, but, um, you know, post-World War II, there was, you know, we were the the, you know, so pro- economically mm-hmm. prosperous oh, yeah. um, that, you know, there was the stability there. You oh, know, and that's, that's why it was there is, you know, these companies were, were you know, bedrocks. Oh, and, yeah. and and they were, you know, they, it was a very stable environment. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're manufacturing and, and factory, you know. and You think about America, you know, post-World War II and, and bar none. I mean, we were the economic superpower of the world. Yeah. You know, there was no doubt of that, you know. Yeah. The, you know, you look at the other, the, the nations that, you know, today are, you know, really very, you know, economic forces, you know, the Germany. Well, Germany was in the process of trying to rebuild itself. So, you know, so they didn't have anywhere near the strength. Japan certainly didn't have the strength. China wasn't even really on the map. So, you you know, you look at the, you know, the, the, the major drivers today, they didn't exist. So it was really the United States was, yeah. by and large, we... We led everything, you know, yeah. from you know on the on the manufacturing, the innovation side, uh, you know, all of that. Yeah. So um, it was to no small extent the heyday of American society. Yeah, yeah, and 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 you have that, and and then so you know during that period when when everything's going well, it's 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 easy for for you know for baby boomers to look at at those companies, and you know if they're doing well, the company, of course, the companies are going to take care of them. Yeah, um, uh, but we kind of went through this period of um, where everything started to change and it's, it's progressively started changing more and more rapidly. Um, And so a lot of those companies that, you know, people were depending on for, for 40 years of employment and a nice pension, um, they don't exist anymore. No. Well, Uh, I mean, we, we, we talk about that in, in our seminars, you know, we talk about the disruption economy and the turnover and, you know, in the fortune 500. Yeah. And so you're right. Those iconic companies. I mean, if you look back at the, you know, the, the, who was, who was on the, you know, the, the, the Dow in Mm -hmm. 1950, 1960, and, you know, tiny little fraction of those companies, you know, exist today. Yeah. Yeah. And these are, these were the largest companies in the world 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Even look at, uh, at us in, in Rochester, mm-hmm. we had, you know, Kodak and Xerox. Yeah. And neither of, of which are anything remotely close to what they used to exactly. be. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's, everything just started changing so much faster um, that I think that's a, another piece for, for the millennials is, um, you know, part of, of what they saw their parents go through and part of, you know, kind of them growing up in this, um, you know, in this era where the pace of innovation is so much faster mm-hmm. and, the, and the changes happen so much faster is, um, you know, when even when a company says, you know, we'll take care of you, there's a skepticism there sure. that um, even if you want to, I'm not sure you can. You yeah, that's a valid point. Um, you know, it, and especially if they're looking at things and, you know, how fast things are changing and right. things aren't changing that fast in the company, it's, you know, like, yeah, you can have a job here, you know, be loyal to the company and, and they'll take care of you and, and you'll, you, you'll work your way up. Mm-hmm. I think there's a skepticism among millennials that yeah. I'm not even sure you guys are going to be here in five or 10 years. Right. Um, right. and, and it could happen that it, we're in a time where it happens that fast. Absolutely. 
Well, uh, and, you know, and, and, and that's not even necessarily the business is going to go out of business. It, right. it might just be that they're acquired by somebody else or sure. there's a disruptive technology that comes in. You know, so there's yeah. so many there's so many different points of attack that can influence these organizations. And so right. I think, you know, from, from a millennial's perspective, and really it should be from anybody's perspective, that, you know, if if as an organization there's that inclination to kind of bury their head in the sand and ignore mm-hmm. the, you know, the outside influences that are going on in the world, those organizations are at risk. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think there's, you know, and and part of, I think that part partly fuels the um, impatience of of the millennials and and the um, the kind of intolerance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's you know it's it's a lower tolerance of if if you guys aren't getting your act together, right? I'll, I'll go somewhere that is right, exactly, um, because um, somebody's got to look out for you right. Know, I got to pay I got to pay the rent. I got not to mention I got a crazy amount of student loans and and all those <laughs> that, kinds. Of there's things. a valid point as well. Yeah. Sure. Um, uh, and I think, you know, I think the other thing too is, um, it's, it's interesting, uh, you know, we've, we've talked before about the, the shift in the, the power dynamic, um, between employers and employees. Um, and I think, you know, part of it, um, being, you know, it, it always used to be that, um, employers were, were in power of that mm-hmm. dynamic, um, you know. You have you don't have that many options if if you live in Rochester, New York, you work for Kodak or Xerox or Bausch and Lomb, yep. um, and uh, and you you get a job at one of those places and you don't really have any other options, so right. you got to do what they tell you to do, yeah. um, uh, because there's a ton of other people waiting for right. waiting for a job at, at one of those spots. Yeah. Um, but I think you know, um, like like we talked about before with. Uh, I think part of it is is the internet. Part of it is remote work. Part of it is a, a more open mindedness and willingness to to relocate. Um, uh, there's there, there's never been more opportunities right. for for millennials, and and that's probably why you know 51 percent of them are are actively looking. Um, there's never been you know you could go on Monster or you know wh- whatever you know job Indeed or whatever job listing site and find thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs. Um, well, particularly in, to, in the economic cycle that we're in right now. I mean, right. there's, uh, you know, we, uh, a couple weeks ago, we were uh, doing a session with uh, one of the largest packaging companies and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in the country. And, uh, you know, they've got, you know, they've got facilities in three different states and, and they were talking about just how incredibly difficult it is to find workers. Yeah. And so, you know, and there's more options, you know, for, you know, in, in that environment for people than before. So it's, it's, you know, you got, not only is it hard to hold on to people, but it's really hard to find people to backfill. So, yeah, because there are so many more options. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's at a point now, particularly, and it's, and it's only going to get more like this with, you know, with, with the rise of remote work is mm-hmm. um, now I can, you know, if I'm, if I'm looking for a job. I can find one in Rochester, New York, but I could also find one in Chicago right. and move there, or I could find one in Germany and work remote. Right. Um, so you know, whereas I was I was confined to, you know, four, three, four companies in the city that I lived in before. Now, I, there's no there's no limit. You know, I could work for any company anywhere right. in the world. Well, and what's interesting too, you know, you, traditionally we've we've thought of you know virtual workers or remote workers 
as being something in the you know in the in the technology sector. Yeah. Um, and you know, and that's probably where it started. But it's funny because a lot of our large Fortune 500 level clients, you know, major major institutions. You know, they're more and more allowing people to work from home with the virtual, you know, workforce and those types of things. So you're really seeing that that shift across the board in organizations. So you're right. It's um, there's more and more opportunities for folks uh, on that side of things and outside of just even the, you know, the the technology type roles. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think, you know, you know, because because it is so hard for, you know, that's that's part of the, the shift in power dynamic, I think. Is you know because it is so hard for employee employers to not only hang on to people but but to recruit people they're going to be doing these these types of things with right. like with remote work mm-hmm. or unlimited vacation or you know all yep. those kinds of things as just a way to attract better talent. Yeah, they have um, to. Yeah, they they have to, yeah. and, and and you have to you know it's with and and particularly you know for a lot of the reasons that we've talked about um, the preferences uh, of the millennials are different than. Than previous generations right. too. You know, I think previous generations it was, it was about, um, it was about security. It was about, uh, be- you know, uh, benefits. Mm-hmm. It was about the paycheck. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I show up for the paycheck and uh, and the the retirement benefits yeah. and um, and that's really not you know based on a lot of the things we're talking about. Um, there's just a difference in in preferences of what millennials are looking for yeah. in a job now. Well, it, you know, and I think that also draws back to the, you know, the, again, they largely grew up in two income households. Yeah. Mom and dad worked. Um, you know, they took their you know two weeks vacation a year and those types of things. And and there was a the prevailing attitude that if you followed that pathway, it would, you know, you'd, you, you know, you'd get this great retirement and everything would be good and wonderful in right. your life, you know, and, and that didn't really pan out, right. you know, so I think our, I, I think that influenced the mindset in terms of, you know, my parents sacrificed, 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 and then retired and continued to sacrifice. Yeah. And yeah. When, when is this, when does this pay off? Yeah. 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I still haven't seen that yet. Yeah. You see the suffering exactly. that your parents go through is painful. And you know, the, and, and so the, the attitude became a bit more of, yeah, I want to experience life. Yeah. You know, I want to travel. I want to, you know, I, 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 I want to, I want to, I want to do more things early in my life rather than sacrifice for, you know, 40 years in the hope that, yeah. you know, when I'm 65 or 70 years old that I'll get to do all of these things and right. I'm not crippled and affirmed, you know. Yeah. Um, so so I think that also, you know, decidedly influences the the mindset. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think, you know, it, it used to be that um, retirement was a given, yeah. that, it, that it was going to happen. Um, and I think people are, are more and more skeptical of, of – you know the idea that they can retire someday, yeah. um, and and when you even when you put that little bit of of doubt mm-hmm. into maybe I'll get to retire, but maybe I won't. Yeah. And there's a chance that I won't. All those things that I was planning on doing for retirement, that you know I don't want to you know spend the next 40 yeah. years and then realize that I I can never get there. Yeah. yeah. Um. And it's it was like this destination and um in people's minds that all of a sudden there is some skepticism of whether is it a real place. Yeah. Well, you know, there's another factor, too, and you, and you just made me think of it. I, I was talking to one of our guys here not too long ago, and we, we were just talking about the influence of social media. And, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and you know, he's a 27-year-old guy, uh, 
and, and made a really interesting observation. He said, he goes, you know, if you look at our generation, he said our, our lives are heavily influenced by social media, social marketing, all of those yeah. types of things. And he said that if you look at what what gets posted on social media, he goes, it's people's red carpet moments. Yeah. And, you know, the highlights of their life. So whether, whether, whether they're, you know, it's the great meal that they're eating or mm -hmm. the exotic place that they're traveling or the, yeah. you know, the, the wonderful thing that just happened to all those, you know, and he, and he said, so, so you're looking at everybody else's red carpet moments. Yeah. And then you're looking at your life going, well, where are my red carpet moments? Yeah. And you start feeling as though that, you know, somehow your life isn't going the way it's supposed to be going or the way other people's lives are right. going. Right. Everybody else's lives looks, looks so, so great. So much more glamorous. Yeah. And so much better than mine, yeah. you know. And, and it was something, it was a perspective that I had never really considered before. Yeah. But you can decidedly see how people begin to question, you know, yeah. their question things that they're – if. There's a the, the book that mm -hmm. that uh, I had, I had just given you the the um, solve for happy solve for happy yeah, yeah great book and and you know he has that happiness equation uh, yeah. you know about about you know your the, the reality of your life as it relates to your expectations yeah and and he said you know if your if your expectations are out of a line with the reality of your life you're unhappy yeah you know if your if the reality of your life is is exceeds your expectations or is equal to your expectations you're, you're happy. happy yeah. You know, and such and a simplistic way, but makes so much sense, doesn't it? Though, yeah. And and so now you think about how, you know, the influence of social media on one's expectations is just skyrocketing. Exactly. The expectations, yeah. So, which yeah, which is as a result is going to make people <laughs> miserable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, because yeah. everybody else is living these red carpet moments, and my my life looks a little gray. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. And it's yeah. It's uh, so I think you know. <laughs> And that probably speaks to, you know, so many people looking for, um, you know, having a, a little bit of a grass is greener mentality. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you have more than half the half the people in this generation actively looking for a new job is they're they're looking. They're just just, just dissatisfied. With, right. With yeah. where they Maybe are. they're chasing that red carpet moment. Right. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. I want a glamorous job or I want to, you right. know, I want to travel to these places or, mm -hmm. you know, have the freedom to do that or right. make more money or whatever it is. Yep. Yep. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think the, those, those red carpet, and I think that's probably, you know, as, as I'm thinking about it, it's probably the, you know, not quite super healthy way, but, mm -hmm. but, but also, um, part of what drives the, the desire for work-life balance of, I want to go experience these things. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not very glamorous to spend a lot of time at work right? and, you know, sitting in a cubicle. Yeah. Um, it's more glamorous to, you know, hop on a plane and go to Paris right. or whatever you're trying to do. Exactly. Um, so that's probably, that, that's, you know, probably an underlying driver yeah. of it as well. Well, maybe it's even more glamorous to, to sit in Starbucks and work there versus yeah, you know, sure. sitting in my cubicle. Yeah, exactly. You know? Or so. just be able, yeah, be able to right. work where I want to work yeah, or, you exactly. know, all those kinds of things. So I have, I have more control over my, you yeah. know, over my, uh, you know, how I'm doing things. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's, that's a, that's a great control is a very interesting topic for mm -hmm. for this generation because um if you look at previous generations they kind of surrendered control Got a point uh they surrendered control to the companies with the promise that 
I'll surrender control. I'll, I'll give you all the I'll give you all the control. Do do whatever you tell me to do. Yeah. With the promise that you're going to take care of me right. for the next 40 years. I'll have a, a steady paycheck. I'll yeah. have stability. I can you know build a nice house, have good family life, and I can retire yeah. at you know 65. Yep. Um, and then, so I think with with this with the millennial generation, they they saw that and they saw you know their grandparents and and their parents surrender that control. Mm-hmm to a company and it just get their their life ripped apart right um in so many ways so i think that's that could be an underlying driver too with with millennials is i don't want to give up control because i've seen how that can play out yeah i want to say yeah exactly yeah Yeah, exactly i I would rather you know i'd rather it be in my hands than you know just trust somebody else with it that you know if the numbers don't don't work they're not gonna they don't care about me right uh, or, um, you know, if, if things go bad, they're, uh, you know, I'm kind of left out into the, into the wind. Right. Um, so I think that that sense of control is, is probably another, another piece too, mm-hmm. um, that, uh, they, that, you know, millennials don't really want to give up. So, all right. So we, we've kind of talked about, um, some of the underlying, forces and some of the shifts that had happened Mm -hmm. have happened within the kind of millennials uh, lifetime, particularly, you know, um, when they were younger, what they saw with their parents and, and, you know, moving forward to kind of the pace of, of innovation and change Mm -hmm. now and, and all the effects of media and social media and TV and, and all those kinds of things. So with all that in mind, I think, you know, hopefully people have a better um, understanding of, where they're coming from right um and why they're thinking the way they're thinking Mm -hmm. so when we net this all out what does that mean how do how do you lead millennials do you need to lead them differently Mm -hmm. than than you lead other generations yeah it's you know that's a it's a great question and and you know millennials while they had different influences than than other generations the one of the, I think one of the big things to to realize about the, the the millennial generation is that they're the only the biggest difference between the millennial generation and the generations before is that the millennial generation is is a lot less tolerant yeah. of of you know weak management and weak leadership. You know, yeah. they, they, uh, you know, they, they, they're just as loyal to a great leader as any generation before. Yeah. But they're a lot less tolerant of somebody who's, you know, weaker as managers and leaders. And you, and you so frequently hear, you know, people don't quit on companies, they quit on managers. Yeah. But they're loyal to leaders for a lifetime. Yeah. And that's just as true in terms of our millennial generation. So yeah. do you need to do anything different in leading a millennial than than leading a, a Gen Xer or a baby boomer. Not really, um, but you do need, but if you don't do right, the, the right stakes things, are higher. Exactly. You you know, that's where you get bitten. So yeah. to that point, what do you need to do? You know, what do you need to do? Yeah. Vision is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the every generation, but even more so your millennial generation, 
there, there has to be a vision in their mind of, you know, what is it I'm really trying to accomplish here? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I, there's not that desire. I'm just going to blindly do what you tell me to do, you know, without any connection to, what, you know, what is the ultimate destination? What, yeah. are, we, what are we really trying to accomplish I want a here? sense of purpose. Exactly. So that, you know, that, that, that vision and that, that sense of purpose, which creates a, a greater understanding of the why behind things. Yeah. Um, you know, you use that word purpose, and I and I think that's very important. It's you know, every generation needs that. Millennial generation, it, it, you know, they don't take things necessarily at face value. So you, you got to take the time to explain why are we why do we do it this way? Yeah. You know, why are we trying to accomplish this? What is the you know what's the you know so so taking the time to to do that. Yeah. So on the macro level, the vision is important, but it it's also important for them to have a vision of you know where where are you leading them in terms of their career yeah you know what's what's the next step for them um you know millennials they they you you'll tend to find that they jump from one organization to the next when they start feeling like i've gone as far as i'm going to go yeah right i kind of hit a i kind of hit, hit a glass wall. ceiling here yeah, yeah. i hit a, you know i hit a glass ceiling and and therefore i'm going to jump ship you know because i have more upward mobility someplace else yeah right so so that so you, the, the vision that's tied to what are we trying to do as a team or you know that is important but also the vision for themselves and yeah. their careers uh, is very important yeah and then helping them to begin to see the that you're really helping them to grow you know that yeah. you're that you're actively working to teach them um you know the things that are going to help them to accomplish that vision that you're you're invested and engaged that you genuinely care about them yeah and again that's true for every generation just yeah. more so true for, for yeah. the millennial generation um so i think that's very important um and the uh, you know and you know this is a big engagement uh thing as well is taking the time to ask for their opinions and their insights. You know, yeah. it's not, there's not that desire to be dictated to them. You know, it's more, uh, I want to have a voice. I want to have a say. I, I, I have an opinion. I have a perspective. Yep. And while it may be different than yours, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. Yeah. So so if you look at the, I'd say there's four key things. There's, you know, it's it's vision. It's, you know, it's seeing that opportunity for growth. It's, Taking the time to explain the why, so there's that sense of purpose, mm-hmm. and it's and and asking, you know, for you know for perspective and insights rather than dictating. Yeah, and I think I think and what that's true again for every generation, particularly our millennial generation. If you do those four things, you'll find higher levels of engagement. You'll find the retention, you, yeah. you know, goes up, and you know, and ultimately you'll find that that. The people of every generation, millennial included, you know, will be more valuable contributors to the team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, like like you said, it's it's millennials are just less tolerant of, exactly. of bad management yep. and leadership because yep. um, they have, they, they, you know, part with for all the reasons that we've talked about and and you know um, all the options that they that they have now. Um, and I think you know it's it's so true of of you know what really makes a leader great what makes a, a great mentor is is that they care mm-hmm. and that they that they take the time they really know what are you trying to what do you want to yeah. accomplish where yeah. where do you want to go um what 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 do you want to have have happen right um 
and that's I think you're right, true, so true for for everybody. Yeah. Um, but uh, and and even though the answers to those questions might be slightly different for millennials, just the the practice of asking right. and helping them get there is the same. Yeah, you know they, you know the, you know that that sense that you know you have a vested interest. Yeah. And and that you're there to facilitate their success or facilitate the, you know, the, the accomplishment of, of their goals and their aspirations yeah. just as much as you're there to facilitate the accomplishment of the organization's goals and, yeah. organ, you know, uh, aspirations. Yeah, absolutely. Um all right. Well, I think this was this is a fun topic. I'm glad we there glad you we, uh, we picked this one. Um, any uh, before we we wrap up, any closing thoughts? Anything um, to leave uh, to leave people with? You know, we talk so much uh, as we're out working in organizations about leadership, and the you know I, I'm, I'm I'm thinking back. Uh, to a, a quote that a client shared, uh, you know, one time a while back, and had an individual on the team who was uh, who wasn't, you know, making the grade, so to speak, you know, and and uh, w- w- was struggling. And the the leader asked themselves, you know, have I been the caliber of manager and leader that you know this individual needed me to be? Yeah. And I think that's such a great question to to really ask ourselves, you know, whether in leading anybody, you know, it's it's so easy to point our finger at them and say it was their, you know, they dropped the ball. They're not doing what they what they need to be doing. They're not thinking the way they need to think. They're not. But have we really been the caliber of manager and leader that they needed us to be? Yeah. You know, and, and 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 candidly, you know what that I think that's. It, that's probably true in every relationship that we have in life. You know, have I been the the, the caliber of husband that I needed to be? You know, it's yeah. it, you know I can point my fingers at you know my wife's not doing this, my wife's not doing that. Have I been the caliber of husband I needed to be? Yeah. You know, have if if my kids are are acting up, you know, you know, have I been the caliber of parent that they needed me to be? Yeah. And I think if we ask ourselves that question, we look in the mirror, you know, we, that's where we find our answers. Yeah. So true. All right, Dave. Thanks for the chat. Yeah, there you Everybody, go. we'll see you next time. All right. Hey, guys, one more thing before you take off. This is Motivational Intelligence Insider. It's just a very short, exclusive email uh, every Monday that comes from Dave, John, and the guests on this show. Uh, this is the only place they share their very, very best stuff, and it's delivered right to your inbox every single Monday. Uh, This could include exclusive tips for upping your game, uh, articles they're reading, videos they're watching, stories from the road, and on and on. It's the best way to kick off your week, and this content uh, comes directly from Dave, John, and the guests, and is only available to subscribers of Motivational Intelligence Insider. So if you want these guys and gals to email you their best stuff, go to 2logical.com forward slash insider. That's the number 2logical.com forward slash insider and drop in your email. And if you do, I hope you enjoy it. The Motivational Intelligence Podcast is produced by the team at 2Logical. 2Logical is an international corporate training firm and the world's leading expert in motivational intelligence, which is the ability to understand, manage, and change the motives people have. 
Two Logical offers over 30 different keynotes, workshops, and full training courses to small, medium, and large Fortune 500 companies in 53 countries, a lot of which you're probably familiar with. Advisor, Bank of America, GE, Constellation Brands, P&G, and more. All solutions are completely customized and the feedback from these sessions will blow your mind. If you have any training or speaking needs or just want to say hey, head over to 2logical.com.